Well, today our lesson comes from the Gospel of the Good News according to Mark. Let's share in God's good word together. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Your life is perfectly designed to get the results you are now getting. The question is, well, how's it going? Are you tired or rested? Are you anxious or at peace? Are you lonely or surrounded by love? If you want different results in your life, you must change the design of your life. It all connects. How much sleep do you get each night? What does your morning routine look like? What do you eat? When it comes to spiritual health, the condition of your very soul, how do you know how you're doing? The best answer to this that I've ever come across is from a conversation between John Ortberg and Dallas Willard. John asked, how do you assess the well-being of your soul? And Dallas answered, I asked myself two questions. Am I growing more easily discouraged these days? And am I growing more easily irritated these days? That's it. So friends, think about it. If peace is growing in your life, you're less discouraged. If love is growing in your life, you're less easily irritated. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be fully alive inside. I want to be able to relax and enjoy my family, my friends, and the world. But I've learned that we can't relax until we are rested. So today, we're talking about Sabbath rest. So here's the invitation. Take a deep breath. Put your cell phone away. Let your heart slow down and let God take care of the world. So we are in our third week of our sermon series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We're so glad you're here. If you missed the first two weeks, uh, you can go right online or our YouTube channel and there they will be. So as a quick recap, week one, we learned that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. Will you say that with me? Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. And you may say, well, well, Pastor Mark, we need to do things quickly sometimes, and that's exactly right. So what's the difference between doing something quickly and hurry? Well, hurry is a state of frantic effort in response to feelings of inadequacy or fear or guilt. It's that anxiety that's underneath it. It's that worry that if I don't get this done, something bad is going to happen to me or to someone I care about. It's become such a problem that in psychiatry, they are talking about this all the time. And they've been talking about it for a while. The great psychiatrist Carl Jung said it this way, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. And notice that he was saying that all the way back in the 1950s. 
um, when he was at the height of his career. In week two, we learned that they continued that conversation, psychologists did, to talk about what we now know as hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. It's an actual disease. It gives people heart problems. Uh, We learned this from a cardiologist. Hurry sickness is a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. That, That pressure in your life actually does damage to your body as well as your emotions and your psyche. So Meyer Friedman, uh, the cardiologist, says it like this. A continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. Well, that sounds like our life, doesn't it? And notice, again, cardiologist Meyer Friedman, he's writing this again in the 1950s. And I would submit to you it hasn't gotten any better since then. The pace of life has been picking up, especially since 2007 uh, with the addition of the smartphone, the iPhone. So what we've been learning over the last two weeks is that if you want the peace of Christ, live the pace of Christ. So we come to this week as a way to look at Jesus' life and not just what he said, but how he lived his life. And this is what we have to remind ourselves. We want stuff and we get stuff and then we want more stuff. That's the human condition. And so desire is never satisfied. It's it's infinite, right? Desire is never satisfied. It only leads to more desire. You ever eat one potato chip? I bet not. I know I have not. It's always, you know, one leads to two or three or a bag or whatever it is. So here's the thing about desire, right? It is infinite, yet we humans are finite. And the, and the distance between the infinite and the finite, well, the result's restlessness. That space between the two, this infinitude can drive us crazy. This restlessness in our souls. And it has been that way for a very long time. One of the ancient fathers all the way back in um, around 400 AD said it like this. St. Augustine did. He said, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Of course, he's talking about God, right? Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God, who we know best in Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. It's good news, but it can also be hard news. And that is that nothing in this life, nothing at all, apart from God, can satisfy our desires. Because the desires of earth simply lead to more desires, more and more stuff. And that is why today we're going to talk about Sabbath, because Sabbath helps you come to the place where you no longer need picket, whatever it is that you think you need to live a happy, restful life. You don't need a new car. You don't need a new set of clothes. You don't need a new pair of shoes. You don't need a new home or neighborhood or friends or spouse or job. You don't need any of those things to live a happy and restful life. Those things are just about desire. Now, when you find your rest in God, you find rest for your soul. So what is it about Sabbath that helps reset this problem in all of our lives? Well, the word Sabbath comes to us from the Hebrew Shabbat, which literally means to stop. Full stop, full rest, not doing anything at all. So the Sabbath is simply a day, a full day to stop. Stop working, stop worrying, stop wanting. Just stop. Have you ever said that to your little one? Just stop. When they're freaking out, when they're panicking, when they're crying, you're like, no, no, stop. Just stop. And that's what God is saying to you 
today. Just, just stop. It's going to be fine. Rest in me. That's what Sabbath does for us. It reminds us that we're not in charge of the world. We don't have to be. God has the world in his hands. It's okay. And Sabbath is a way for us to practice this reality in our lives. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says it this way, Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding from living in the Father's loving presence all week long. You see, that one set-apart day affects all the other days. It changes our life for good. So how do we do this? How do we do it? Well, if we really want to rest on the seventh day, we've got to work hard at it. We really do. We need to work hard to rest easy. One of the trickiest parts of Sabbath for me is when I don't get my work done before Sabbath. And then I am restless because I didn't work hard before I got to Sabbath. And then I can't really feel rested in the Sabbath because I'm still worried about the work that I left undone. And so it's important that we do the work that's before us, that we do the work, we do it as best we can, and we work hard and then we leave it. That it's enough. And we trust that it's enough. That God will take care of us all the days. And we're reminded by that about the one day Sabbath. So, uh, in the commandments, in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, right? These ways, these responsibilities of all of us who say that we follow God, it says this, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Yep, He worked hard six days, right? And made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. That seventh day in your life, it's blessed. It's meant for your recreation, your renewal, your good, your life. But friends, Sabbath takes intentionality. It just does. Sabbath takes intentionality. Will you say that with me? Sabbath takes intentionality. Now, friends, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I grew up in a home where we practiced Sabbath. My mom and my dad, um, all the way up uh, through high school, when I would watch my mom on Saturday, she would do all the laundry and all the dishes and she would clean the house and then she would cook the food that we were going to eat at Sunday lunch. And she worked hard, friends, on that Saturday. She got all these things together. But Sunday, we would worship God and celebrate him and in our community. And then we would do nothing. And I mean nothing. Simply came home, enjoyed one another, had a great meal. And then we took a nap. That's how it was in my family. And we would rest. Now, I, I napped shorter than anybody else in my family those days. And so I was quickly back out in the backyard to play with my dog Brownie or, um, you know, play some basketball or uh, throw the football or whatever it is. But it wasn't work. It was rest and it was play and it was enjoyment and it was the best day of the week. Now, as I grew older, I got sort of frustrated with this. I would get a job. I started mowing lawns. And when it was in rainy season and and the grass was growing fast, there were a lot of folks that wanted their lawns mowed, which meant that I had to mow in the dark on Saturday before I could really rest on Sunday because mom and dad were not going to let me mow on Sundays. When I was a lifeguard and, and, you know, that was a, a job that was seven days a week, well, I wasn't working on Sunday. 
And that, that caused me some tension in my life, caused me some hardship in terms of, you know, whether you're going to be promoted or whether you're going to be top of the list or whether you're going to get the dog shift because, well, I was resting. And my parents were helping me understand that God would take care of me and I could trust in him and I could rest one day a week. I really, I really could. What they were teaching me also is that the Sabbath, well, it requires self-control. It really does. You have to get your work done. You have to do the best you can. And then you have to say no. Time and time and time and time again. Friends, you don't have the life you want because you say yes to what you want now over what you want most. Think about that. The reason you don't have the life that you really, really want is because you're saying yes to what you want now more than you're saying yes to what you really want, what you want most. And that keeps us in this sort of state of panic and anxiety and just getting to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yep, you don't have the life you want because you say yes to what you want now over what you want most. And Sabbath helps correct that. It helps us say no to the urgent, no to the things around us so that we can start to live into the most important, what we want most. And that is a life of peace and health and joy and connection with God and with others to really live and enjoy this life that God has given us. So let's get a little more technical about Sabbath and what it has been and and what what it can be for you and for me. Now, Jewish Sabbath is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And that's how Jesus practiced it. Um, and that's still practiced today by our Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, our ancestry, that's, that's where we come from. So if you're looking at Jesus and Sabbath, that's what it means. When he took a Sabbath, it was from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown. But because of the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday morning, right? The third day he rose from the dead. Christian Sabbath is on Sunday. So we celebrate, we worship and rest on Sundays because it's our resurrection day. So we'll say, well, I work on Sunday. I do too. I mean, I get that. There's some of us that, you know, I've been working the weekends for 25 years. You think I might grow out of that by now. But no, in my job, you work weekends. So for us here at Acts 2, Staff Sabbath is Friday. And, and so Chantel and I, we practice it like this. When we leave work here Thursday afternoon, evening, When the sun goes down, we are on Sabbath, and it is fantastic. We do as much as we can, make sure we get our work done before we go home on Thursday so that we can rest. We can enjoy one another, enjoy our family, go do things that we love to do without worry or fret or anxiety. But then you say, well, what about all the stuff you have to do? Well, that is something we do on our day off, and our day off is Saturday. Now, notice there's a difference. Friday is a day of rest and worship. Your day off is a day where you get stuff done that you need to. Your laundry, backyard, last Saturday I was trimming trees. You know, whatever it is that you need to do that's not your regular work but still has to get done, you know what I'm talking about. We all have this in our life. We have things that we need to do outside of our job. Well, we do that on our day off, but not on our Sabbath. Sabbath is for the Lord. It's to rest, to be renewed, to be recreated, not for the stuff you didn't get to in the other five days of the week. Now, before we think that Sabbath is just one day a week, it's much bigger than that. 
It's much more of a blessing than that. Sabbath isn't just a day of rest. It's also a day for worship. And that's why for most Christians, Sabbath is Sunday and you come to worship. And then my hope is that you don't have really any agenda the rest of the day. Maybe you ride bikes as a family or you eat a good meal or you take a nap or you play games. Whatever it is that you love to do to connect with family and friends. It's a great day. Like in in my life, I often will go see uh, my parents, right? Sometimes my sister will come over. These are, these are wonderful things that we do um, on our Sabbath. It's a time for connection with God and with our family, rest and worship. And this was true um, in the early church. Uh, Paul writes to the early church in Rome. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Yeah, see, that's worship your whole life. Do not be conformed to this world. No, you're always going to have that pressure from the world. Don't do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We are to be different. A better, wonderful, more joyful, more peaceful life so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're to be a peculiar people, a blessed people, a people of light and life in a dark and hurting world. I love the way Walter Brueggemann puts it. He says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And of course you do, because if you're going to really rest and worship one day, you know, work six and then rest and worship on day seven, you have to live the other six days differently, don't you? I love the story about Jesus, which has been widely misinterpreted uh, by modern day Christians. It goes like this. On Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. This would have been Saturday. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees, the religious so-and-sos of Jesus' day, said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They were more concerned about uh, the legalism of what could and couldn't happen on the Sabbath than they were about helping feeding hungry people. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And David gave some to his companions, Jesus says. And then Jesus says this, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, friends, Jesus, the Son of Man, he can do whatever he wants to on the Sabbath because he's God. Whatever Jesus is doing is right and good and perfect and something that we should emulate. But Jesus is not dismissing the Sabbath. He's dismissing the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees. You see, Jesus practiced Sabbath his entire life and fought the hard-heartedness of legalists. That's simply who Jesus was. You'll see this over and over and over again in the Gospels. This slowing down, this stopping one day every week allows you to see the needs around you, not ignore them. You see, when you, when you slow down on Sabbath, when you stop and you look around, you can see both beauty and hunger. And so if you're practicing Sabbath, if, if you are resting and there's somebody that you see that's hurting, maybe even your own family, then you stop and you listen to them. You don't ignore them because you're reading your Bible on the Sabbath. If you see somebody hungry on your Sabbath day, you don't ignore them because you're practicing Sabbath. No, you give them something to eat or you give them money so that they can get something to eat. The slowing is to transform our life for us to look more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. So why is all of this important? Well, it's important because Sabbath is how we fill our souls back up with life. This is really our recreation. This is how God created the earth. It's how he created us. It is the rhythm 
of life. At the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, God's creating the earth. And in Genesis 2, he finishes his work. Watch this. And on the seventh day, first seven days of all creation, God finished the work that he had done and he, say it with me, rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, right? Wouldn't you love to be walking in and living out the blessing of God? So on the seventh day, it is special. And and he hallowed it. He sanctified it. it. It's sacred because on it, God rested. And friends, if God rested, we need to rest. We emulate, we follow Jesus, who is God and God himself in Genesis 2. From all the work that he had done in creation, God rested. So God rested on the seventh day as an example to us, as an example to humankind. God rests, we rest. Jesus rests, we rest. Six days of work, a day of Sabbath to rest and worship. So here is the truth bomb uh, for all of us. And that is... Sabbath comes to us whether we like it or not. Rest, that's slowing down our bodies. If we don't tell our body to slow down, our body will tell us, won't it? We all come to rest voluntarily or involuntarily, right? I learned this the hard way in college. Anytime that I didn't get enough sleep, I was sick. Then I'd call home and mom or dad would say, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I got a cold. They're like, you're not getting enough rest, are you? Like, how much sleep did you get last night? And of course, I'd been up studying for midterms or finals or getting a paper done, as college t- kids are, you know, want to do. I was no different than that. And so if you don't get enough rest, and it's still true as an adult, you don't get enough rest, you're probably going to get sick, exhausted. Your body will begin to shut down on you. And friends, you only have this one and only life, a beautiful life that God has given you to enjoy, not to struggle through day to day because you always have too much to do. Many of you know that uh, our staff has been traveling and learning and, and, and worshiping together and studying and really training. And so on uh, the way back from Kansas City, uh, this last week, Chantel and I, we stopped by the Spiritual Life Center in Wichita on our way to see our son, Noah, who goes to school there at Wichita State. And on our way, I stopped in, uh, right by the Spiritual Life Center and, and there, um, right beside it, um, as Jesus ascending. It was a, it was, this was evening, um, just on, what was that, Tuesday? Just yesterday. And as, as, as I look at Jesus, it's just such a beautiful setting there in North Wichita. Uh, if, but if you turn around, what you're going to see uh, is that it's the cemetery where the nuns and the priests and the fathers and the friars have passed. And so it's a, a really wonderful, sacred and holy place. It's a blessed place, a, a sacred space. And, and there Chantel is. And, and just a few markers over to her left, uh, we, we come to something that I, I saw years ago, and I've really kept it with me, and I wanted to share it with her. And I want to share it with you, because it, it's, it's just the truth of who we are and how the world works. It's from Father Francis Cox um, and it, from Ireland. And he says this, from the grave, Behold and see as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so must you be. Prepare for death and follow me. Which is the way of Christ. He's ordained June 4th, 1950 and passed away in 2014. Isn't that the truth of life? Even from the grave. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be.
Friends, we all have this one and only life. And Jesus says, live it to the full. Rest and celebrate and worship. I've got you. I've got you. Rest and enjoy this life. So here's the thing, friends. We get to choose whether Sabbath rest comes as delight or disaster. If we choose to step into it, we can delight in the world. Or if we just ignore it, the ways of God, the rhythms of God, the seasons of God, then disaster follows. That's just the way it is. God's not mad at you about that. He's told you to rest. Whether you do or not is up to you. Dan Islander, in his book Sabbath, describes Sabbath rest this way. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives, the best day of the week, the best day that where we anticipate on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because the full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. When is the last time you delighted in something? A study was done by a doctor who named the happiest people on earth. And near the top of that list was a group of Christians called Seventh-day Adventists. Now, these are folks who are so religious about the Sabbath that it is actually included in their name. And the doctor noted that Seventh-day Adventists lived 10 years longer than the average American. How about that? We actually take God at His word and we live into it and we rest as He models and says, life not only gets better, it gets longer. You see, there is a blessed and holy rhythm to life. And it is work six, rest one. Say that with me. Work six, rest one. That's how it is to be. Now, also, let me just say this. It's also important that we Sabbath because God tells us to in the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment of the ten. The scripture says this, says this, Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment one. You shall not make for yourself an idol. That's commandment two. All right? And then you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. All of these are commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. All these commandments we have. You see how short and direct they are? But at the fourth commandment, the commandment of Sabbath, God takes his time. He slows down and he wants to make sure that we get it. In verse 8 of Exodus 20, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. Friends, Sabbath has been a problem for thousands of years. God just knows this about us. We want to take things back into our own hands. And He says, well, you know, I know what you're doing. You say, well, you're not going to work, but you're going to make other people work. God says, no, no, none of that, none of that. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. 
Friends, remember that Jesus took an entire day every week set aside to just slow down, to stop. The Ten Commandments show up again in the book of the law, Deuteronomy. It says this, observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Uh, Or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your town, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. And now this is where it changes. This is where it shifts. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God's saying, listen, remember when you were slaves for 400 years under Egypt where you were never allowed to rest. And you know how terrible that is. Don't don't ever go back there. Don't ever fall again and be a victim of slavery of your own making. You see, friends, Sabbath is a way to stay free and make sure you never become the slave driver yourself. It's not only just to keep you free, it's also to keep everybody else free so that you're not forcing others to work as you rest. And that's the way the world works, isn't it? Now, we may not have slavery in America anymore today, but there are slaves all over the world, many of which, many of whom, make our clothes make our technologies, do the things that we want done. You see, this Sabbath is not just for our good. It's for the good of the world. It's countercultural. It's a a source of resistance against the machine that says you need more and more and work harder and harder and lose your life. And so as a way to get your life back and to help others get their lives back, I want to ask you to try something maybe you've never done in your life as an adult. Um, But Chantel and I have been doing this for many years, and it's It's not always easy, particularly because it might require you to not get something exactly when you want to. But um, here's your action step for the week. I want you to go an entire day without buying anything. Your next Sabbath day, whenever that is for you, don't buy anything. Don't order anything. Don't look through magazines to buy something tomorrow. Don't sell anything. Don't negotiate anything. Just rest so that you might not work and you won't make anybody else work either for the goodness of God and His world. So take a breath. You can do it, friends. Put your cell phone away. Let your heart slow down and let God take care of the world. Will you pray this prayer with me? Lord, slow me down until I walk with you. Then keep me there in your loving presence. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.